You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1333 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening. And my apologies at the top of the podcast for my remote recording location and audio quality, all that fun stuff. I am in a hotel uh, on the road. Kind of going to happen every once in a while. Not a ton, hopefully, this season, but that's part of the uh, nature of the beast. And today's episode is, by the way, brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. And I also want to thank you for listening to the podcast at the top of the show and making us your first and listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on the video side, we are on YouTube. So check us out there as well. Uh, today's podcast, we'll dive into what became a 108-98 to victory for the Atlanta Hawks. Probably a little bit shorter of a show uh, in some respects, but uh, still plenty to get into in this game. And it wasn't always pretty, honestly, for Atlanta. They had a pretty ugly first quarter in particular. They did win the last three quarters of this game, but it was back and forth. The Hawks did trail at times in the fourth quarter of this contest. A nice finishing kick to this one to uh, kind of put things away. Uh, outscoring Magic by a 28-17 to score in the fourth quarter for a 10-point win and a cover for Atlanta, but it was not easy, let's just say. I think neither one of the games, honestly, um, both um, Wednesday and Friday against uh, overmatched opponents at home, you would have hopefully thought that the Hawks were going to kind of cruise a little bit more. They were the better team both nights, but still, uh, we'll get into kind of all the nuances that are out there, but the Hawks are 2-0 at this point. That's a nice place to be after two games, and we'll dive into what transpired on this evening. Um, For some pregame kind of context here, the Orlando Magic uh, are not in the greatest position, but they do have a lot of talent. They did lose their opener to Detroit on Wednesday, and they project to say a team that's probably going to be in the tanking race at some point this season. But they were pretty frisky defensively last year. They have some pretty good defensive talent on this roster. They already have, of course, the number one overall pick in Paolo Boncaro. They have uh, Franz Wagner back for another season. They have Wendell Carter Jr. They have some pretty good talent um, on this roster. Um, I will say, you know, the Hawks were almost at full strength again in this one. Bogdanovich still remains out, but he was the only guy on the injury report for Atlanta. The Magic were missing Markel Folds and Gary Harris and John Isaac, as well as Mo Wagner. Uh, and then online, our friends over there made the Hawks about eight and a half or nine point favorites in this game. Again, the Hawks were trailing and not covering that spread for most of the nights, but they uh, had that nice kick at the end to uh, get over the hump on that one. But anyway... Generally speaking, I would say if had the Hawks lost at home to the Magic, that would be in the bad loss column almost no matter what, especially with the Magic not like going crazy. You know, every once in a while in the NBA, you'll have a night with the, with the opponent, even if it's a bad team. You know, it takes 53s and makes 23 of them, and you just, you just can't win that way. But Orlando was winning this game in the fourth quarter while not having any of that kind of, you know, outlier shooting. Uh, and that was kind of maybe a little bit concerning for Atlanta, but they, of course, finished strong and uh, overcame that potential hiccup. Um, at the outset, though, it was really DeAndre Hunter is the only guy early in this game that really had anything going on offense. He had the first six points for Atlanta, quick eight points overall, and not a whole lot else going well for the Hawks. In fact, they were 4-15 from the floor to start this game. They had 11 points in like eight and a half minutes or so. Neither team was really get, getting to the rim much in the first quarter. Um, I think Capella was part of that on the defensive side for the Hawks. I think Wendell Carr Jr. was really good defensively for the Magic in this game. And the Hawks were also kicking them all over, all over, the, all over the floor in this one. Um, ball security is usually a huge strength of this Hawks team for the last couple of seasons, especially last year. They were number one in the league in turnovers. Tonight, not a whole lot of uh, ball security really for this team. 
McMillan said after the game that he, he kind of noted that they didn't like love that part of the contest and there was some sloppiness. I agree with that. Um, I will say Collins is also giving some support to Hunter. He was really good in this game, but he was being, I think he was probably being defended with a little bit more vigor in this one by the Magic than, the, than he was by the Rockets on Wednesday because uh, Houston's defense was pretty bad in watching that game once again. But rotationally, there was one tweak in this game that I want to at least touch on here on the podcast. Uh, it was the same four guys off the bench in this game. And generally the same tenants and that, you know, Trey's been playing the entire first quarter, the entire third quarter. They bring DeJounte back in the second and fourth. That's a uh, pretty logical rotation. It's also what the Hawks have been doing. But there was one change that happened in both halves, actually. And uh, it seemed like, actually, there was a chance that David Miller was just kind of mad at Adonikai Kongwu in the first quarter and took him out pretty quickly after a weird defensive mistake against an ATO. Um, but the reason it seems like now is probably going to be pairing Click Capella and Trey Young together more because... In both halves, Kongwu played a very short stint when he came in for Capella the first time. They went back to Capella for the last few minutes of that first and third quarter, and they went back to Okongwu again for second and fourth. You know, Usually, the last couple of years, the Hawks have kind of gone to longer stints. It's been Capella to open the game, of course, then Okongwu kind of you know, late first, early second, and then Capella again to close the quarter and close the half. Um, this time around, there was a, you know, two very short stints for Okongwu. In fact, the second one in the second half was about one minute long. That's a weird rotation, but it seems like, and this is kind of logical if you think about it, I think Trey is a better partner with Clint Capella. They have good chemistry, Capella's screening, all that stuff, and then you kind of have a little bit more speed on that on that murray Kongwu unit on the second unit. So that does make sense as a pairing and a structure, but it's definitely a little bit challenging to kind of form the rotation that way. It seems like the tact might be moving forward, at least it was on this night, to have a Kongwu kind of play very uh, one very short stint and then come back in to play a little bit longer in the second and fourth quarters. Um, Aaron Holiday was the last guy in for the Hawks in this one, um, sort of chronologically, but it was Jalen Johnson again playing the few, fewest minutes, followed by Holiday, and then Kongwu and, and Justin Holiday um, played a little bit more in this one off the bench. Orlando, though, trailed by eight, uh, sorry, the Hawks ended up trailing by eight at the end of the first quarter. I will say this, it was actually uh, my, my friend Kevin Chenard pointed this out on Twitter today, but he noted it, and I saw it on tape as well. The Hawks were getting beat up by illegal screens in this game, including several by Wendell Carter Jr., I am actually very high on Wendell Carter Jr., but he was uh, pretty aggressive. And actually, you know, it's honestly one of those things where um, the best screeners in the league kind of figure out what they can get away with uh, over the course of a game and kind of exploit that. Carter Jr. Did, definitely did that in this game, and it was kind of maddening if you were a Hawks fan to watch him be able to kind of do whatever he wanted to on those screens. But it was effective, and uh, the, the Hawks didn't really adjust to that for a while. But the bigger story in the first quarter, I thought, was the Hawks' brutal offense. It was their worst quarter offensively of the season out of the first eight. I was not a huge sample size there, but the Hawks scored 19 points on 26 possessions in the first quarter. That's about a 74-ish offensive rating, something like that. Um, they were 7-22 from the floor. They were, one of, they were one of eight from three and had six turnovers in the first quarter. Trey Young and Ajante Murray, obviously two star-level players, were combined 0 of 7 from the floor with five turnovers. Trey took a couple bad shots. He's uh, He was pretty rough in the first half overall. We'll come back to that in a second. But defensively, the Hawks were really fine the entire game, but they dug a hole in that first quarter because they just could not score effectively. Um, later in the first half, I will say, uh, just as a sort of an aside, Jalen Johnson, I thought, was uh, not hesitating to shoot threes, which is good. Um, I've kind of questioned the lack of spacing that the Hawks have had, and that was still the case in this game on second units. But Jalen taking those shots is crucial to me. Not hesitating, shooting threes that he's, that he's able to get off. Not a great shooter at this stage by any means, but I think he needs to be at least aggressive and kind of hunting his opportunities whenever possible. But the Hawks trailed 
by as many as 13 points, um, actually, in the first half of this game. It was a 7-0 run right after that, though, by the Hawks to kind of, re, re, sort of restock themselves, I guess is the way that I'll put it. Um, the Holidays found some juice offensively. Justin Holiday hit a three, and then Aaron Holiday had some, actually had a really nice left-handed floater. Um, then Jonathan Murray kind of took over a little bit. He had this great sequence where it was, a, it was a bucket by him, then a steal, and then a dunk right back to back to back. And the steal was just kind of vintage of Jonathan Murray from the weak side, kind of a sneak attack from behind. Gets the steal. He's opportunistic. He finishes in transition. In transition. And I think he realized that Magic don't really have great like on-ball um, creation stuff with their current units, at least from their guard play. So I think he was a little bit more aggressive as the game wore on. The Hawks had 10 steals on the whole, and Murray had four of them, which is uh, not shocking because he's very, very good at that. But it was uh, nice to see that. Um, by the way, <laughs> another sort of aside, but John Collins made his first three-point attempt of this game and was three of four in the game. So he is now, I believe, five of five of six in, in the for the season. At one point in this game, um, it, basically the Hawks had gone as a team non-Collins division, 7 of 36 from 3 for the season. And Collins was 3 of 3 at that point. But uh, anyway, it's just one of those things that happens, and he's been really good so far. Um, turnovers, again, a notable issue throughout. And I, I know I said this a second ago, but Trey Young was really bad in the first half of this game. Now, he ends up the night with 25 and 13, so nobody really cares, nor should they. And he was awesome at times in the second half. But I think uh, it was one of his worst halves in a while offensively. Um, he was 0 of 7 from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3. Three turnovers. Did have, did have eight assists because Trey is really good at passing and just kind of gets assists. But uh, he definitely was struggling and kind of forcing the issue a little bit too much. I thought some bad shots from Trey, especially, uh, you know, even by Trey standards, just some forces with no rhythm. And he has the green light, as he obviously should. If you're a new listener, I'm not picking on Trey Young. It's that uh, it's, he obviously has different rules in some respects offensively, but uh, he was a little bit pressing, I thought, in that first half and settled in a little, later, a little bit later on. He did draw a nice charge, though, defensively on Jalen Suggs in that first half. I think in general, he's been sticking his nose in defensively so far, having some off-ball issues, of course, and some transition issues, as he always does defensively, but he's been a little, pretty pesky, I think, by his standards so far this season. Um, anyway, the Hawks were back within four at the end of the first half. That was pretty fortunate after the way they played offensively. They had a 94 offensive rating in the first half. That's pretty tough. They had 12 assists and nine turnovers. That's an ugly ratio for this Hawks team. And Collins was the only guy that had double figures. He had 13 at the halftime break. Defensively, it was pretty good. We'll come back to that more often in the second half of this podcast. But um, they had some trouble with Cole Anthony, who actually was on the injury report with, with illness, ended up with 17 points in the first half at 25 off the bench. He was really their only guy that had it going for Orlando. But other than that, the Hawks were pretty frisky defensively the entire game, and that was uh, able to sort of raise the baseline of what they're doing. Um, we'll have more on all of those dynamics in place in this game, offensively, defensively, takeaways, individual breakdowns, etc. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and football season is uh, continuing at this point in time. And Bet Online is the number one source for all the pro and college football needs that you might have in the betting world this season. Find all the latest developments and the game matchups and the news and the podcasts at Bet Online. That includes all of what you need for the upcoming weekend slate in both college and pro football. Bet Online is also the top source for wagering information in sports, including live betting and esports and live scores. Bet Online is also fast and easy when it comes to consuming every sport that you have interested in at this point in time. On this podcast, we talk about the NBA and the Hawks, of course. There's plenty to still talk about with the betting markets each and every day, whether it's game uh, game lines and over-unders and uh, sides, all that fun stuff, as well as ever-evolving futures when it comes to who's going to win the East and the West and the NBA title this season. All of that is at BetOnline as well. And beyond the NBA, BetOnline has odds and lines on college sports and baseball and MMA. 
boxing, golf, tennis. They have auto racing, horse racing, soccer, entertainment bets, and much more. Head to Bet Online right now on your mobile device or computer to learn more learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, and obviously the second half was kinder to the Hawks than the first. The Hawks ended up winning the second half, by the way, a final score in that half of 58-44, to 44, which is more what, what, what you want to see from this Hawks team at home against a pretty shaky Orlando squad. Um, there was a little bit of a hiccup at the outset. Trey committed the turnover on the first possession of the second half against his own defense by, by the Magic, but after that it was a 14-6 run by Atlanta to take their first lead in a while. Collins had this awesome coast-to-coast play where he actually got a steal defensively and then uh, took it himself all the way down for a nice dunk in transition. Uh, he was comfortable pushing it, which is good to see from Collins. Uh, Trey finally made a shot, his first one of the game. It was a three for the tie. And then Hunter and Murray got loose as well. Um, they sent t- sort of Orlando into a timeout mid-quarter, by the way, on a high note as well. Trey hit a three. And then after a steal by Capella, which was a great play against Paolo Boncaro defensively where he sort of dove on the floor to get the steal, Trey then assisted DeAndre Hunter on a big sweeping dunk down the lane, and uh, he got up for that one a lot. I think Hunter's been playing with a lot of juice so far, athletically, which is really good to see. The starters, though, played a lot in the third quarter, uh, longer than usual. They played eight full minutes because the Hawks were playing so well at that point. But uh, again, they did uh, sort of offset the, the Okongwu minutes, but a lot of pushing the minutes in this one for the Hawks. We'll come back to that at the end of the podcast. But um, yeah, I believe yeah three guys played 36 minutes or more. And all five starters, 32 minutes or more. And that included Capella playing a lot in this game as well. So definitely uh, sort of a pushing atmosphere from Nate. Obviously, no back-to-back here and no travel. So a little bit little, little bit more, more license, I'll say, to play guys a lot of minutes. But they're not holding back, let's say, at this stage. Orlando did lead again, as I mentioned before, late in the third and then into the fourth. There was a pretty bad challenge, I thought, by Nate McMillan at the end of the third quarter. Um... Joe Johnson tried to take a charge, ends up getting a call for a block. It was a call that could have been called uh, a charge. It would not have been a terrible call. But in general, like those block charges, they got to be pretty definitive to be overturned. It was a pretty bad challenge that it was not a high leverage play necessarily, and not one they really had a chance of winning, I think, on the replay. Um, there is some value in giving Jalen Johnson sort of an attaboy for taking a charge. Maybe that's part of that, and maybe some frustration on Nate's part. But regardless, kind of a questionable challenge, let's just say. But after that really rough first quarter offensively, the Hawks were better in the third with that same sort of rotational unit. They shot 50% from the floor in the third quarter. Trey had 17 in the third after that aforementioned slow start that he had in the first half of this game. Uh, that's also a top five scoring quarter, uh, sorry, in, at least in the third quarter of Trey's career. He's only uh, met or exceeded four, 17 points in the third quarter, I think five or six times in his career. So pretty impressive stuff there. Um, unfortunately, defensively, they were not quite as good in the third as they had been previously, but they found that in the fourth quarter. Um, it was Murray and the bench, as you would expect, in the fourth, but uh, they definitely were aggressive again in the minutes standpoint. They brought Collins in less than a minute into the fourth quarter. Um, as soon as Murray came back in, which he was obviously expected to do, I kind of knew he was going to play 40 minutes in the game because he, he played 20 in the first half. He sat for only four minutes in the second half. It was that one short stint. So he played 40 minutes. That's a lot of minutes for a guy in October, but there you go. Uh, probably more than he needs to play at, at home against the Magic, but they got the win. Um, Murray and Collins, I thought, were kind of the bigger um, engines in a 10-2 in a, in a run. They gave the Hawks the lead for the final time. Basically, they, they led the entire way after that to go up by four um, sort of early-ish in the, in the fourth quarter. They lived in like that five to seven range for a while in the third, and then sort of the the dagger sequence I thought was about three minutes to go. Trey Young hits 
back-to-back uh, -back threes, basically. The first one was kind of a wild, almost a heave, falling out of bounds that he made in uh, Trey fashion. And the second one was a pull-up and transition. And when, 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 when that kind of uh, was over, the Hawks went from up 7 to up 13, and it was pretty much over at that point. By the way, Trey had 23 in the second half, 5 assists. He was really good after halftime. And then Orlando, by the way, on, on offense, really could not get anything going. Credit to Atlanta in the second half, but the Magic had 11 points in the first 10 minutes of the fourth quarter, and in the whole quarter overall, they were 5 of 18 from the floor and 5 turnovers for Orlando, so uh, pretty stingy defense for the Hawks on the way to only 17 points down the stretch for the Magic. Um, moving on from sort of the game flow to some takeaways from this one, plenty to get to actually, the offense was not super pretty. Now, after halftime, it was better, obviously. But a 106 offensive rating for the game is not very good, and this is two games in a row where the Hawks have not been terribly efficient against teams that, while Orlando's pretty decent defensively, I think, not elite by any means, and you're still playing at home against a young team. So some stuff to work out there, definitely, on offense. And I think they got a little bit fortunate. They got very hot from three in the second half. They were 9 of 13 from three. That's going to help, obviously, anytime. The Hawks were uh, about 46.5% on twos in the entire game. That's not a good number. Um, they took seven, 16 free throw, throw attempts. That's, that's uh, not terrible. And they, they did make 15 of them, which is a good sign, but not a ton of volume there. Um, 26 assists is solid, but 17 turnovers is way too many. McMillan was not happy about that, nor should he be. That's a number that the Hawks will not be loving at this stage. On the glass, they were just okay, nothing special, and we saw some regression on the mid-range attempts. I talked about this a little bit on the show on Wednesday. The Hawks took the most mid-rangers in the league, basically anything outside of four feet but inside the three-point line. The Hawks had more attempts from that range than any team in the league on Wednesday. It took fewer in this game. It was 36. That was still would have led the league on Wednesday. This time around, though, after being very good on those shots in the opener, they were 9 of 36 on non-paint a non-rim twos. So a lot of floater range shots missed. A lot of that was Trey early in the game. He was he didn't he just didn't have it in this spot. Murray not his best either in that spot, but um, notable for sure. The Hawks were not able to make those twos, but they were kind of built out by getting by getting hot in the fourth quarter and really the entire second half from three. Um, definitely a lot more transition stuff though, pushing the pace. That's probably a good sign for this team in my opinion. But offensively, they have some stuff to work on for sure, and I'm sure McMillan will have some things to point out in the film session. Uh, beyond just not making shots. Um, defensively, like I said, it was pretty good. Orlando is not good on offense. On offense. Um, that's worth at least keeping in mind as a caveat here. But they had a 97 offensive rating. That's You'll take that any day. Against any NBA team, the Hawks doing that, even at home, is very good. Um, the Magic did take almost double the amount of free throw attempts that the Hawks did. They took 30. That's probably more than you would want for sure. But um, other than that, a lot of positives. They held the Magic to less assist, which is only 16, then turnovers, which was 19 in this game. That's a good foundational principle that led directly to 24 points. That's a good sign. And the Hawks had 26 fast break points. Now, that's a lot of it is pushed by turnover creation, but with Murray in particular, he is speeding things up, both with the steals and the, and the habit creation and also pushing in transition. The lack of a take foul as a rule is a pretty, pretty nice for the Hawks, I think, at this point in time as well. They're leaning into that. McMillan's not necessarily known for his pace, but the Hawks are definitely always trying to ramp it up a little bit more this season. It's, pretty, it's been pretty obvious to this point, and I do like that as a, as a concept. They're not the most athletic team in the world, but they are definitely more bursty now than they have been before without Gallo, without Her, without Herter, adding guys like Jalen and Jante in particular, and they have a little bit more juice to kind of go end-to-end -end like that and use that um, advantage if, when possible. So 
generally speaking, we'll come back to the individual stuff in a second, but uh, it was a game where the Hawks won by 10 points. That's never a bad thing. They did not play fantastically, but they were stingy defensively. And I think through two games, generally speaking, again, two not great offenses probably, but the Hawks did have shown what they wanted to show on defense. Um, offensively, we can get into sort of the shooting concerns. Um, they were allevi- alleviating a little bit in the second half of this game, but everybody's always asking me now because I've been saying it for so long about the lack of shooting. And those bench units are not great shooting units. And that's, you know, Trey's got less space to operate with. Like they were basically, I think Glenn Willis pointed this out on Twitter tonight from Peachtree Hoops, the former guest of the show, and probably will be back again in the near future. But you, you often had guys setting up well beyond three-point line between Bogey and Herter and Gallinari, um, and that just kind of creates more space for you, whereas now you got Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, who can shoot it, but they're not like deep shooters uh, and obviously less spacing overall. So it's something to just keep an eye on. And yes, AJ Griffin maybe would be helpful in that realm. I've said it before as well. I know we're going to get that. Um, I'm going to get that sort of string of tweets every night now until he plays, and I get that. Um, but we'll come back to that later on. But generally speaking, a nice solid day at the office, even if the Hawks were not able to sort of play great wire to wire. They did trail for way too long in this one. They were able to find it at the right time and win my 10 points going away. Okay, we'll have some more individual breakdown stuff in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. All right, some individual breakdown stuff here at the end of the podcast. And the bench was not used a ton in this one. I mentioned before, Jalen Johnson played the, played the least. I think that's going to be the case moving forward. Like he, he's very clearly the ninth of nine at this stage, which is fine. Um, 12 minutes, he had four points and one rebound. Uh, 0-2 from three, but again, I think I like that he took the shots in this one. Uh, still good transition. He doesn't look comfortable to me right now in the half court on offense, which is not a huge surprise. That's kind of one of the questions I have about him long-term even, but I think he's just kind of generally played his role adequately enough. He wasn't quite as good in this one as he was in the opener, I don't think, but he was fine. Um, Aaron Holiday. Not a ton of offense. A two or three from the floor had four points and two rebounds to go along with one assist. But defensively, he has been very useful. I know Nate praised both the Holiday brothers for the defense again in this game. And uh, yeah, it's night and day. It's just a different feel to that second unit. Um, obviously with Murray as the headliner, but the Hawks are just kind of scrapping it defensively. They are doing a lot of li- a lot of little things there. It's not always pretty, but the holidays, both of them really are just kind of solid in some ways. And defensively, um, they, they, kind of add, they kind of add a lot. I will say Justin Holiday made three threes in this game. That was very, very useful. I think two of them after halftime, he was three of six. That's kind of what he's going to do on offense. He's not a huge creator really at all, but he will take and he will make enough of them from three. Uh, he's not going to be a 40% guy, I don't think, but you're going to hope he makes 35%, 37%, and he made 50% in this game, three of six. That's very useful. Defensively, he's very, very good and very uh, active and kind of in the right place at the right time. So I thought he was productive and positive in this one, had a steal as well. And then Kongu played less than he had, less he did in the opener. He was not quite as good as he was in the opener. This is a, difficult, more, a more difficult matchup for him, I think. Um, he went right at Alperin Sengun on Wednesday and with some real good effect. Uh, in this one, Wendell Carter Jr. was a little bit more um, resistant. Mo Bamba is just massive. I don't think Mo Bamba is very good, honestly, at this point, but he is massive. Um, by the way, the bowl ball units are hilarious for the Magic. He's playing like the three at 7.2. It's wild. Anyway, um, Kongu was not great. He had four fouls, by the way, again in 16 minutes. I'm not trying to pick on that, but um, every time it seems like Okongwu is going to have three or four fouls in a short period of time, it doesn't matter right now because he's not playing enough minutes, but if you ever get a Capella injury or something like that, you're going to need Okongwu to figure out how to play for a long stretch without fouling something in a circle. But he was okay. It wasn't like he was bad in this game. just didn't have as much of uh, much, much juice in this one as he did on Wednesday, and maybe that led to Capella playing a little bit more, and also he was pretty good too. 
Speaking of Capella, we'll go there now. Uh, 32 minutes, he had 8 points, 7 rebounds, had 2 steals and a block. Again, like he's a very, very small part of the offense right now, which is fine. I think that it... I've been calling it for a while, so I can't complain about this. I've been calling for the Hawks to play more through John Collins, and they have, for the most part, in the last two games. And that takes a little bit more away from Capella. And I think it was, like, it's noteworthy. Like, he doesn't really seem to care. I think he's going to anchor your defense. He changed a lot of shots again in this game. I think through two, through two games, he's playing great defensively. You know, Murray's going to get a lot of attention for any sort of turnaround that, that the Hawks had defensively, and he should. But I think Capella being healthy and being right defensively is huge for Atlanta. That's been very obvious to me so far. And uh, he played sort of a B-plus game, I thought. He was pretty good across the board in 32 minutes. Uh, DeAndre Hunter had a better first half than second half. He was kind of the only guy that did, basically. I think he had eight, uh, eight points in a hurry and then ended up with only 12 in the game. But he rebounded the ball reasonably well. Five rebounds in the first three quarters, then he had one in the fourth, so six overall. 5-12 from the floor. He, def- he definitely cooled off. Only one assist. Um, no blocks, no steals. So like it was kind of a DeAndre Hunter kind of game. Other than rebounding was a positive, generally speaking. But he does look good to me. He looks comfortable. He looks explosive to me athletically. And uh, more positive signs there. He wasn't like an awesome performer tonight, but I thought he played fine, and uh, that's all It's all he kind of needs to do. And then uh, Collins, again, was just really, really good. 23 points, 13 rebounds, 3 steals, and a block for Collins in 36 minutes. Only 14 shot attempts. Again, if anything, play through him even more. I mean, 3 or 4 from 3 in this one. He was 6 of 10 on 2s. Uh, he's just really, really good. Got to the line for 2 of 2. Uh, rebound-wise, he was kind of all over the place. Defensively, he kind of had Paolo Boncaro struggling at times in this one. He went right through him on offense. It was an interesting test for Collins back to back, playing the top, you know, two of the top three picks in the draft, and uh, kind of winning both matchups pretty decisively. Honestly, I thought Powell had a, ni- a lot of nice moments, but Collins was better in this game, so uh, that's good to see from him. And in the backcourt, uh, we'll go to we'll go to Murray first. Uh, Twenty points, nine assists, nine rebounds, four steals. Obviously, a heck of a line there. He had some. Um, moments on offense where he was a little bit shaky in the first half, like a lot of guys were, but I thought he played very well again. 40 minutes is a lot, and I will not say otherwise, but he seems to be geared up for it and competitive and wanting to play as much as possible, so no no huge complaints. And then Trey. Uh, I mentioned before, his first half was just really brutal by his standards, but he, of course he ends up the game with 25 points, 13 assists, 4 rebounds. Um, 4 of 11 on 2s is totally fine. He was, he was just 3 of 13 on Sorry, 4 of 11 on 3s. He was 3 of 13 from 2. That's really ugly, and he was, again, the biggest contributor to the Hawks being pretty bad in that floater to mid-range in this one. He just didn't have it in that in this game, but he found it. He had the two, sort of the put-away sequence where he had the two threes in a row, and uh, that's very much uh, on brand for Trey. And he's not been fantastic by his standards the first two games, but he could sort of roll out of bed and have 20 and 10, and I think we saw that again in this one. And uh, defensively, like I said before, he is, he's is he been a little bit pesky in my mind. Not fantastic, but pesky enough. And that's all, that's all the Hawks really need from him defensively. So from here, the Hawks have another pretty friendly spot against the Charlotte Hornets uh, on Sunday. Um, early, actually, an early evening game. The Hornets lost at home today to the Pelicans. Now, New Orleans is pretty good, of course. Um, and Charlotte is playing without a mellow ball, but they give up 124 to the Pelicans at home in this one. Defensively, they're going to be really bad, I think, this year. They don't have Miles Bridges anymore, uh, nor should they. Miles Bridges probably shouldn't be playing basketball. Um, but without LaMelo, and at least right now, he missed, by the way, him, him and Cody Martin both missed the game on Friday for the Hornets. He's not been ruled out for Sunday, but he's not played yet, so you kind of have to think he might not play on Sunday. We'll see. Um, but the Hornets are a team that I am definitely fading this year. I think they're going to be pretty not good. Um, even with Melo playing, 
and he's not playing right now. Uh, they don't have really anything in terms of like burst stuff at the forward spots. They have Kelly Oubre is okay. P.J. Washington is a solid guy. He's a combo big, but they're pretty weak in the front court in general. They have a, you know interesting center spot as they have forever now. It seems like, but you know nothing is assured by any means. But the Hawks are another are going to be are going to be favored again, barring a weird injury thing or something like that between now and Sunday. The Hawks would be very solid favorites again at home. And uh, like we said at the beginning of the season, these first five games, you don't nothing. You can't assume anything. You don't you don't just assume four and one, five and zero. Oh, but uh, they're two and zero oh now, and they should be favored in the next three games. And we'll see how they handle all that stuff. I'll be back in the building for the game on Sunday. That'll be nice in some respects. After not being uh, able to be there in person today on this Friday, it's always better to kind of watch the game up close and personal if you can at home. So we'll have a full breakdown as we always do on Sunday night into Monday. So uh, I definitely recommend you checking out the show. Once again, and please subscribe to the podcast across platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, we should be there. If we're not there, let me know that on Twitter at BT Roland or at Locked on Hawks, and we'll get you squared away in the near future. I do appreciate all of the support. It's been a big week on the show. This is the sixth episode in about five and a half, six days. So it's been a, a lot of fun diving into the start of the season. Uh, 80 more to go, at least, plus the, you know, plus the playoffs, etc. So we'll be here the entire way. So thank you for listening. As always, everybody, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you after the game on Sunday.